0: Welcome back to KJ Gets Kimchi. <laughs> I'm a
1: back. Ooh, that's a pretty good segment title. KJ Gets Kimchi. Oh, I like KJ's, it. It KJ's Kimchi.
2: Corner. What with a K?
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. Hella that's, problematic.
2: Yeah, I was about Jake. to say.
1: Nothing KJ's wrong with that. KJ's Korean Kimchi Corner. acronym.
3: You're listening to The John Chee Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your host, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ.
2: What is up, Taunchy people? Whoa, 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 whoa. We are back. Oh, my connection. Couldn't log you in.
0: Oh, oh maybe we're not back.
2: <laughs> we might be okay. I'm still rolling, so it's all good. Taunchy uh, people welcome we are back with another episode this one is so fantastic we've been blessed with a lot of authors on the show um who have been able to come on and this one i feel like i don't know about y'all but i feel like our our interview game and our just talking and podcasting game like goes up a level and we have authors on do you feel that also or are you
1: just like yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think it does right, go. So on. Nathan and <laughs> Nathan and, and Patrick
2: off. are like, here's the deal. I bring the same level of excellence every podcast, and I exactly. look. Exactly. People, I may or may not bring the same level of excellence, but when there's authors on, I really try to ramp it up to mostly okay. I thought you so, were
0: very eloquent, KJ. So I how just, about that, look, is that right, what you, So here's the deal. Is that, what it um, is? is that what you want? You want some praise? <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so we have a fantastic interview with
2: fellow Korean adoptee, Jen Frederick, who is, as Patrick says, a prolific author. He's a USA Today bestseller, known for romance novels, and this one is uh, unique and powerful and wonderful. It is called Heart and Soul, and so we uh, had an advanced copy that we got to read, and we're all riveted um i think i'm safe in saying having heard everyone talk about it that uh this book is fantastic we can't wait for y'all to be able to pick it up and uh and get your own copy because man it is good it is about a korean adoptee who goes back to korea and has adventures um running around seoul and it is yeah I, I just think it's riveting
0: i agree and i'm not as many chapters in as kj and patrick uh so but i it has already hooked me in so i i can see that right there is is something that is telling of a good book so
1: that book has it, plugged it, nathan into the hdmi yeah. and is streaming in high def baby <laughs> right to his brain no it is really a good nice. book and this conversation was uh really really great um Really excited to share that and really excited to just kind of chat about the book with you guys after the interview. So I think we should just roll it.
0: But before that, maybe we should explain for the new listeners what the John Chi Show is.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you right. You're right. You're right. So and deep John
2: Chi into the... Show. You <laughs> <laughs> said that so <sighs> disappointed. No, if you don't I'm, know I'm not- already... I'm disappointed in myself. Yeah, you no. rolled in. You rolled I in. Was, yeah, I know. This is totally my bad. You, you know, rolled but in this hot is, and right this past the we stuff do. we normally this is,
0: do. Yeah. By the way, this is I'm we... also one of your co hosts, Nathan Noah. God dang it. I'm the worst. Someone fire me. I'm... You're hired. I don't deserve to be here. I, I think most people know who we are, but if you don't, I'm Nathan. That's Patrick. That's KJ. We are the John G. Show. They can only hear us though. across the well, I guess the that still works, though. That does, kind of yes but thank you yes. for listening we're professional podcasters you, even if it doesn't seem like it right now <laughs> it, weird. it doesn't
1: seem like it i'm the worst you're breaking <laughs> off another 10 too and this yeah. is in the it's 40s wait fine, no uh, we are no it's well not on our way no, we don't do episode don't counts anymore. we're not we don't tell, numbers we don't, numbers episode numbers. Anymore. We don't count if episodes man if lame. you're listening
2: on apple podcast it says what episode number it is and if you're listening anywhere else it probably doesn't so figure it out i think it does um Anyways, Janshi is a Korean word that we translate as a feast or celebration. Um, and so that's what we're here to do. We're here to celebrate our Korean American human identities, basically, um, and just figure out what it is that makes us who we are. Um, and we usually talk about... The Korean Adoptee Experience, we talk about Korean culture, we talk about American culture, we talk about food, we talk about Korean food, we talk about books, uh, which is what we're doing in this one. So here is our interview with Jen Frederick, whose new book, Heart and Soul, is released May 25th. That is Tuesday, if you are listening to this on the release. You have six days. Go pre-order it. It's great. But let's roll into the interview with Jen Frederick right now. Roll clip. Like a cat. (laughs) Yep.
4: Meow.
2: Meow. All right, meow, meow, meow. right now. It's meow, but different. It's it's meow. Its N is a meow. Right, meow. (laughs) Meow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. Meow. Welcome back to the John Cheese Show. We are here with prolific author and fellow Korean adoptee Jen Frederick. Jen, thank you for joining us on the John Cheese Show today. How are you doing?
3: Good. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining us in such short notice
3: too.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we had to put this together uh, for the listeners. We had to put this together very quickly um, when we found out about uh, the book that we're going to talk about that Jen is getting ready to release later. Um, we knew that we had to get her on the show, especially during uh, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month um and just the fact that i'm a prolific uh reader i about said author i've written nothing (laughs) written no books you've written a lot of instagram so that like almost counts oh my gosh why do i what's wrong with me um because Patrick's i love to
3: read for every the, the first step for every author is being a prolific reader so i see mm. that in your future
1: oh hey, you uh, okay You're i'm nice. taking that endorsement and running with it but <laughs> we we're all very excited about uh this conversation today um jen we're gonna kick this interview off the way we do all of our interviews and ask you to share uh, as much or as little as you want about your adoption story
3: so I was adopted at the age of two by a family in Wisconsin. They had already adopted two Caucasian babies and wanted to adopt more children, but were told that they would be at the back of the line because they had already had adopted two children. And so the Lutheran social services that they had worked with suggested foreign adoptions and put them in contact with adoption agency. So they. Uh, that's how I got connected with uh, my family. Um, and I have another brother who is also Korean. Uh, he's not blood related, but obviously he's my brother nonetheless. And that's my story.
0: Cool. Where in Wisconsin?
3: So my family lives in River Falls, which is very close to the Twin Cities. So if you imagine the state of Wisconsin, there's this little point that points to the Minnesota, and that's where I grew up.
0: Oh, cool! I have family in Door County.
3: Okay, so I, I, ways away.
0: Yeah, the opposite side.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's like, so nowhere close to where I was, just and nowhere about. close. But I,
0: I like Wisconsin. I, I love the cheese.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, thank you for sharing. You that cannot with
3: us. get good cheese curds anywhere. <laughs> exactly Can we put this in the food section? You cannot get good cheese curds anywhere but Wisconsin. Uh, totally and they have to agree. be wet and squeaky.
0: Yep. Um oh, wet and squeaky? Yeah,
1: squeaky. yeah that's a yeah. that's a measure of a good cheese curd. Wait, yeah. what?
0: Yep. Yeah. Um I did not know this. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like we had a cheese
1: curd conversation on the show before. Now I'm feeling like this is dredging up some memories of a cheese curd conversation that we. I'm at. pretty
2: sure we had a conversation about cheese curds on the
1: show, probably and then, with like melody.
0: And then ultimately, in the end, if you want to, you, you know, to really go for it, you get the fried ones, which come with ranch. But that's oh, yo, those are delicious.
1: Yeah. Okay, we're getting off track. I'm hungry. <laughs> we're getting off
0: okay,
2: yes, yeah, Jeff, this is your time.
1: Um, and we're getting sidetracked by food. <laughs> that's our bad, uh, Jim. Um, tell us a little bit about growing up in uh, River Falls, Wisconsin. Um, what, was that, what was the community like that you grew up in, and uh, maybe what was your accessibility to Asian or Korean culture in that community?
3: Well, uh, my brother and I were the only Koreans, I actually grew up in a really small town close to River Falls and then moved to River Falls when I was a little older, but my brother and I were the only Koreans, I believe, in that town. We might have been the only people of color in that town, <laughs> uh, yes. and so my experience growing up was growing up with um other white people, and as as many uh, adoptees know that you want to fit in. and so it was challenging growing up, looking different. and some of the things that I experienced, I had actually put in this story and it wasn't really until I went to college that I saw people who looked like me other than my brother. Occasionally, we would go to Minneapolis. They have a large Ocean community in Minneapolis, and they also had some other tangentially related Asians in that area. Uh, and there were Korean culture festivals that my mom took us to. But other than that, my uh, interaction with other Asians other than my brother, was almost zero.
1: So where did you then end up at college uh, where you were first able to kind of get immersed in a little bit more diversity?
3: Uh, Well, I went to Drake, which is in Des Moines, Iowa, which was not diverse either. (laughs) 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 I moved from one white community to another white community. I think I put this joke in my book, but... When I had my daughter, I always said that I raised the percentage of Asians in my community <laughs> by an entire
4: by percentage percent. point. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so in my area, if I want to see other Asians, like I could go to the Asian grocery store where I can get my nails done <laughs> or my hair done. And that's primarily where I see other Asians.
1: So talk about your first moments then of... When you really explored or when you first like were engaging with the AAPI community or what what was that moment for you uh, post-college even?
3: Gosh, not to any great extent. Um, I went to Korea for the first time through the whole uh, Motherland tour. And that was probably the first time that I had experience with other Asians on a more intimate level than running into someone in the grocery store. And they were all adoptees, uh, obviously. So that was a really great experience. That might've been my first.
1: And what was that experience like for you going back that first time?
3: Oh, it was tremendous. Holt does a really good job of showing you different parts of Korea and then meeting other adoptees and hearing their stories and their experiences was really precious. And one of the other things that we did that stood out in my memory is that we went to the Salvation Army Women's Home in Seoul. And that is where young women from rural provinces will come because they're pregnant and they tell their families back home that they're getting jobs in Seoul and they'll have their babies and they'll give their babies up for adoption. Now, when I went Several years ago, um, they were clamping down on international adoptions. It's kind of a shameful part of Korean history that all these babies were exported, and so we were told that they hardly ever allow international adoptions anymore. And I think that's uh, even it, that it's even harder today to, for an international a person to adopt a Korean baby although they do make exceptions for adoptees.
1: To ad- to adopt from Korea?
3: Yes, but more they, they don't really have they don't really have orphanages anymore in Korea that like they did when I was a uh, baby and when my brother was a baby. They instead these there are like homes and therefore children that they want to reintegrate into the families. So um you know most of the time people give up their babies because of, you know, poverty. But other times it's because of, you know, family um, disapproval. You know, single motherhood is still not very welcome in that culture. You know, and and blood is such an important concept for Koreans. I think it comes from their Confucius, our Confucius culture. (laughs) It's it's very common for people to ask you what your blood type is. You know, they, we believe, they believe that blood type tells you something about a particular person. And so the fact that you're not blood related to your family uh, is problematic.
2: I just, I, uh, you saying that reminded me, I think it was a a Netflix K-drama called Startup where they referenced like, oh yeah, his blood type doesn't match his personality at all. And I was like, yeah you know, like, then, so yeah i was like i thought i thought that it was just like a fun buzzfeed level like oh yeah your blood type determines your personality not like a deeply intrinsic like no your blood type determines your personality
3: like, kind of. I, I mean i don't know if everyone believes that but it's certainly an important part of culture
2: yeah definitely that's one of the things that we actually just talked about uh on our show and a as of yet unreleased but by the time you're listening to this released episode uh was kind of the the confusion roots and um how important that is to korean culture and I, I definitely get that mental uh juggle of like our culture their culture <laughs> like, right. trying to figure out like how do i like i am from there but i'm not like from from yeah uh so yeah but it was just interesting and i i love that um that you even bring that up um, in, in the story of your book. Uh, but yeah, just kind of that that weird nuance of like dealing with Confucianism, but then also being kind of a postmodern society and how all of that, um, I think, conflicts in Korea as a nation as much as it conflicts in us as Korean adoptees who grew up in America.
3: Yeah, I, I, we're definitely different people, Korean adoptees, than uh, native Koreans, motherland Koreans. And I think they view us very differently as well. I went back with my family, my daughter, my husband, um, in 2000, and the pandemic has kind of screwed me up, so I don't, time, and I think it
4: was
3: 2018 or 2019 that I went, just recently, and people expect me to speak Korean, and, because I look Korean, (laughs) I am Mm -hmm. Korean, and I had to explain to everyone, while well, I'm adopted. But I don't even think that that was a very good excuse for
1: them. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's interesting that you've been back multiple times. Uh, and you still, each time you go back, are getting that question of, why don't you speak Korean? You know, I think that we talk about language all the time and how like powerful it is and being kind of at a loss, especially Nathan, well, me uh, i was gonna say nathan and i but i will say me and not speak for nathan uh but when it comes no, to that me. when it comes That's to fine. that barrier just trying to get over that hurdle uh you know and i haven't even been back to korea yet so what is it like to just to have to field that question kind of over and over again each time you go back does that does that jade you at all uh in that journey or is that just part of it is that just part of of the the journey that we all take as adoptees when we go back
3: yeah, I think it's, a, I feel a lot of chagrin. My daughter learned Korean um, by watching Strong Woman Bong Soon probably 50 times. And she can actually speak it pretty well. And we were just using her as a translator uh, <laughs> most of the time. And she makes fun of my pronunciation because I have... I can only speak it really slowly and my um, pronunciation, she says, sounds like a computer and there's (laughs) nothing natural about it.
2: Your daughter has no mercy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know. This is totally
0: how I feel my son's going to do the same thing to me someday because he's he's in Taekwondo right now and he's counting uh, the numbers and he's counting one to 10 faster than I can right now. So it's, yeah. And he's, he's five. (laughs)
3: So So it's, it's, um, I want to be able to speak it better so that I can communicate when, when I'm there. I plan to go back more often. Um, eventually I plan to live there maybe six months of the year. If you haven't gone, it's an amazing experience because even though you don't speak the language, Everyone looks like you. And it's hard to explain this to people like Caucasians who live in this world where everyone already looks like them. Yeah. But when you go to Korea, everyone looks like you. Everyone has your f- facial features. Everyone, ha- And it's not that we all look alike, but you see yourself reflected back in their phenotypical um, characteristics. And it's a familiar landscape that you haven't been in before the very first time i went to korea i was with my husband and we were in the Iho women's university district and it's there's a really big slope in there down where the shopping is and it was really crowded that day and my husband is six two and he's caucasian and stands out like a sore thumb <laughs> 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 but i look like everyone else there and he was like don't go too far away from me I'm afraid I won't find you because it's just a sea of black hair Uh, and it's an amazing experience so even though I don't speak the language and even though most people look at me strange anytime I open my mouth it was still just really wonderful to be there and my husband when we went back in 2019 said he felt awkward and he could feel like everyone was staring at him and he said he wanted to wear a hat (laughs) and it was just interesting because he was having that feeling of being othered that Uh I feel all the time here in America. Yep. So I hope that you'd all go back if you haven't, because it's really an amazing experience for you. I think you will find it amazing.
1: I'm the only one that has to go back still, but so, but okay. planning on it. Yeah, I went back 3 years ago, but
0: yeah. It, it is amazing like you were saying. It's it's almost a little surreal too just cuz it feels different than I've been to other Asian countries. I've been to Japan and China and Thailand sure, and stuff sure. like that. But mm-hmm. going to okay, Korea, okay, still. <laughs> like I've been to all of the continents. I've, I've been, been to many, many percentages ago, <laughs> of the just, all of the countries. I'm building reference continents. here.
2: I've been to Hawaii many times. I love Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nathan, take it easy.
0: Uh, yes, yes. They give me a lot of crap about it.
4: <laughs>
0: but, but yeah, it, it is an amazing country and, and uh, being there definitely felt different than all the other trips I've taken other places. But in addition to that, I was also there meeting my biological family, so that might have had other things to do with it as well. But um, but yeah, I, I, I can relate to that, that it is something I want to come back to for sure.
2: So- Um, I love, we got an advanced copy of your book, Heart and Soul. It's a soul like the capital of Korea, soul. Um, And it is released on May 26th. Um, And just reading through it, I found it so striking when your main character's Korean friend, who is an international student, I believe, um, describes how Korea is. And, And you write, you know, there was this pause. And then she just says, beautiful. And I felt the weight of that. And I think part of it for me might be because um, I know that you're an adoptee writing about Korea. um, But there was just a level of weight that I was like, oh man, like that I felt it. And I think Nathan, that you feel it too, having been back that you, maybe it's just the mental weight of knowing that you are back where you came from. Maybe it is. I mean, the fact, I mean, I think Korea is a beautiful country, but there is kind of this unique emotional way to Korea is a beautiful place. And then reading like little descriptions in Heart and Soul about your main character, Hara, forgetting that she was Korean until she looked in a mirror and was like, oh, yeah. And then even reading um, when she meets the the guy who she mistakes as the driver when she lands in Korea um hey spoiler alert sir I love <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nathan's not that far yet okay yeah, come on there, uh, look.
3: it's in the blurb I think. <laughs> it
2: is, I think it is I was like I haven't read the blurb so it's all spoiler territory but I guess it's called experiencing a new book Nathan no true Nathan uh, fine. <laughs> um no so i'll I was read just,
0: faster i swear one of the things that i've
2: i've really enjoyed is as i have read more uh books by asian and asian american authors is being able to hear my body type described and like my face described and i was like oh this is wonderful and so you have i think what's incredible about heart and soul is um it is incredibly detailed and and vivid. And, um, as an adoptee, especially I'm like, Oh yeah, I relate to that. I relate to this. I relate to this. Like just so many specific, like hyper specific moments that are, um, either like, I remember thinking that thing, or I remember feeling this way, or I remember that type of comment being said to me. Um, it's, it's such a wonderful thing, uh, to read this story just a little bit that I've gotten into it and, and be like, oh, man, there's so much of me in the story. It's really moving and wonderful. What was the process? Um, because you're not – I mean, I don't know. Again, I haven't read the blurb, but um, it doesn't yet strike me as a romance book. So if it is a romance book, then forget that. But um, as a, a <laughs> Tell romance, <us> the blurb. <laughs> as a romance author writing about an adoptee experience going back to Korea – How much of the, like, this was, um, I don't know, I guess, was the process different for you writing this book than other books that you've written?
3: It was. It was actually really hard. And it's not like I haven't had hard books to write before, but... When I write romance books, they're really kind of frothy and escapism. Like one of the books they wrote with a friend of mine features a hitman who wants to retire and he goes to college and he <laughs> falls in love with a girl at college. So it's like, you know, they're fantastical type stories. Uh-huh. So this story was a, grounded in a lot more realism for me and included a lot more of my personal experiences and emotions. I definitely put more into the story of a um, personal nature than I've ever written before, and that's really hard.
1: How much of your, how much of yourself do you feel like uh, you translated into the story, or that you wove into these pages?
3: I think the experiences of being adoptee is what I translated into the story, but Hera is nothing like me. And I think it's more, she's more interesting (laughs) and, uh, it's, you know, when you're a writer, you get to create the type of character that you want to see on the page. And Mm -hmm. so Hera was the type of, she had to be a certain way to fit the story, um, but her adoptee experience was my adoptee experience because I was writing from my own personal experiences. And KJ, it's really heartwarming to hear that you identified with it because I was afraid that when other adoptees would read this story, they would say, well, that's not my experience and I don't appreciate this person trying to universalize an adoptee's experience because that's not what I was trying to do. I was just trying to write one story about one person's adopted experience because everybody's stories are different. And I think that their stories and the way that you relate to adoption and how you treat it is different. The way that I viewed adoption at the age of 12 and the age of 18 and the age of 28 and the age of 38, totally different.
0: Yeah, I I definitely feel the same as as KJ. There's a lot of things just in the two chapters that I read um, about relatable instances and occurrences and things that are said and the way she felt uh i I mean again you say it's it's very true not everyone's story is the same but there are definitely parts of what you've put in already that that are relatable to other adoptees i think um even though if it's not all of it, it you know the whole story it's certain things like um feeling like uh, you know, more comfortable when when another Asian is in the room. Just one other Asian can be in the room, and you can feel a little more comfortable. Um, the the parts that you talked about, uh, I, I did the exact same thing. There was a moment in the story I was, t- was talking about where she didn't get she didn't have the Korean keyboard um installed on her phone and i've had that situation where i was trying to write something and i didn't have it i was like oh and i have to go download it (laughs) and so little things like that they're just even just little minute things in the story that i was like oh that's great that's that's totally something i've done so i really appreciated coming across those because it definitely connected me more to to the story and to the character
1: and for me um you know, a hundred percent agree and resonate with everything that KJ and Nathan said, uh, just about feeling connected to the story and another way. And you talk about, you know, that fear of universalizing the adoptee experience in this book. Um, just from my perspective and, uh, the chapters that I've read, um, I don't get that feeling at all. Uh, if anything, I feel like, I feel like Hara's experience is inviting me in, to experience uh, an aspect or a perception of the adoptee, the adoptee lived experience. Um, It doesn't feel pushed on me. If anything, it feels more inviting and more inclusive. Uh, Just the way that the story is written and progresses um, and specifically where we find her at the beginning. Um, I think the way that her relationship with her adoptive mother, uh, the way that you laid that out is, it really, it really hit home for me because I have those same, I have that same kind of like push pull with my mom, um, and especially when she is in Korea and having those, those messages uh, that she's having back and forth in like chapters. I think it's like eight and nine, uh, just like not responding in time or anything like that um, and worrying about that perception and how she's going to feel about doing certain things. uh, I totally resonated with that. Yeah, I just, I guess I don't even know if I had a question. I don't think that I did, but I just wanted to reinforce and reaffirm the fact that uh, the way that the story comes off to me is no, it does not any way feel like a universalization or like you're co-opting other adoptees experiences or saying, this is how the adoptee experience is. I think it's much more inclusive.
0: So right there, before the book is even released, you have three Korean adoptee <laughs> <laughs> confirmations that...
1: <Yeah. laughs> we should have wrote that down and put it on... A, uh, this,
0: yeah, this is, <laughs> uh, this is a great book. Yeah, unfortunately, so. there's no way to turn audio carcate. into <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I have to ask one thing, though. Um, you said there's not too much... There's certain things that are relatable to you uh, that you can... Used as your story with a uh, uh, horror story, horror story, I guess. Um, that's not necessarily your story, but I have to ask: Did you cry at the Notebook?
3: <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I, I'm going to make what? a big confession here. <laughs> I have actually not even seen the Notebook. Oh,
2: <laughs> with you, wow. that's uh, probably a bigger either. confession for you than it is for like me. But <laughs> I'm, I'm with you in solidarity, so. <laughs>
3: That's I'll tell question. you that in the romance community, we do not consider Nicholas Sparks a romance author because <laughs> the key component of a romance is a happy ending.
1: Interesting. That's a hot goss from the uh, the romance. Yeah, novel. Uh, there you go. Know, like, <laughs> <goss> <laughs> it hot hot yeah. takes. Hot or... takes. <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking. We're getting that. insider information. I like this.
3: I don't even know if Nicholas Sparks considers himself a romance <laughs> author. That's it's fair. Probably not.
1: So I have a question. Uh, I did I did actually think of the question that I wanted to tag at the end of that. So this this being a book out of your normal wheelhouse so of the stories that you normally tell and write, what does it mean to you to be releasing this during uh, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month um, and to tell your story, even though, like you said, you know, Hara is not the same as you, but it is your adoptee experience. Uh, what does it mean to be able to share this story during this this month where we're celebrating not only ourselves but our culture and to do that as an adoptee, uh, to be so vulnerable and, and to release this piece of art uh, during this time?
3: Well, I'll tell you a little history about this book. It was supposed to be released a year ago. And the pandemic happened, and there was this huge flood of anti-Asian rhetoric. And my publishers thought that maybe it wasn't the best time to release this story. And I don't know if today is the best time to release this story because the anti-Asian uh, wave has seems to have swelled mm-hmm. um, as a result of the seeds that were sown a year ago and many, many years ago. But I will say that three years ago, four years ago, I would not have believed that this story could even be published because there weren't these types of stories being published. And the idea that I could write a story about a Korean going to Seoul and having the entire book set in Seoul is pretty amazing to me. So I'm thrilled and honored that I can have this, space to share this story whether it's an AAPI month or you know any other month and I'll tell you it shows you how ignorant I am I didn't even know there was an AAPI month until like two years ago
1: <laughs> hey you're in the same boat as us yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Movie. We are discovering new months every year. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that there was a Korea until about six months ago. <laughs> the new Korean, I mean, Korean holidays that we never celebrated. I mean, it's this is, um, this is definitely something that uh, we have. I'm going to st- steal a, a, a question that I know uh, Patrick was going to ask. So, w- was there moments uh, of, um, while writing this book about culture that, that you had to look up or that you didn't know about? Because there's a lot of things that I felt that were in there that were very um, specific. And mm-hmm. uh, as a lot of Korean adoptees, we don't know these types of nuances or little um, things. Uh, did you do research or these things that you learned uh, while you uh, went on your personal trips to Korea?
3: I have done a lot of research. I have watched I watch a lot of, of uh, Korean vloggers
4: Ah, because they, you
3: can get kind of a day-to-day uh, feel for their lives. I mean, obviously, it's a pretty glamorized version of their lives. I read the Korean Herald. Um, I think it's the Korean Herald, isn't it?
4: Yeah, Korean Herald uh, every yeah. day. Yeah,
3: and there's some really interesting stories. I don't want to spoil the second book for for your uh, listeners. Heart and Soul is part 1 of a two book series. What? Ooh,
1: okay. Now I feel spoiled on the end of I'm this book. i already like, for book 2. <laughs> I already know I'm going to be left on a cliffhanger when I finish this now.
3: <laughs>
1: Dang <it>. yes, yeah. <laughs> Man. So
3: I had a part of the story in book 2 features the names of the subway stops in Korea and there was a really cool article in I believe it was the Korean Herald and and I'm sorry, Korean press, if I'm getting it wrong, um, but I put it, I'm putting it in the acknowledgement, so I'll get it right at some point. <laughs> but it talked about the uh, Korean etymology of all of the subway stops and how they all got their names uh, from specific characteris- uh, characteristics of that region. And I thought it was really cool. So for like Yongsong, which is Part of kind of like the central Seoul business area, Yong is the name of uh, the, the Korean word for dragon, right? And dragon is the symbol of the king, so the dragon throne, the you know the dragon on the the robes. The myth is that uh, someone saw a dragon uh, one morning over the Han River because it overlooks the Han, so that they call it young Song. and and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but it. Uh, Each one of the subway stops has that kind of story behind it. And Uh so I've read a lot about these things and um, I tried to incorporate as many unique Korean things that I could without being overwhelming to give that kind of feeling of uh, place. So that when you read the story, you would feel like you were there and you were learning something about Korea because I love the country and I want other people to love it.
2: Yeah. I think that your love for the country really shines through. And I think it's so fun um, reading it. Like, I'm not like a huge romance reader. I have read a couple of them, Um, (laughs) but like, what I think is so fun about this. And I think partially, so part of my kind of every year, um, promise to myself is i'm gonna get better at korean right and so this year in particular along with doing the john chi show my wife and i have been really dedicated at um kind of watching a k-drama as like kind of every third show that we watch right and so i'm curious in uh i have two questions that are hopefully quick and easy or fun at least. Um, did you have to watch a lot of K-dramas in like thinking through this book? Like, cause I was, even as I was reading it and you have the romanization of Korean, and I was like, I know that word. This is fun. I know that word. This is fun. I don't know that word. That's fun. So I like, had to like figure out how to like Google that cause it's in romanized. Korean, and then I had to translate. You know, whatever. Um, but did you watch a lot of K dramas as a part of your research, or as a part of your quote-unquote research, aka just you live in your life? Uh, do you have a favorite K drama, or one that you would recommend? Or are you like sick and tired of K dramas, never want to watch one again?
3: I love K dramas. In fact, I almost <laughs> exclusively only watch K dramas, and I have nice. probably for the last I don't know five years.
4: Wow! And
3: so, my love for K dramas is partly how I came up with this book. <laughs> yeah. So I do have favorites, but one that I would recommend with a caution is Mother. It is a it's not the movie, but there's a K drama, and it's super emotional, and it's about adoption. And I had a hard time watching this. K-drama but it's so good and I'm glad that I did and I would recommend it just know that it's pretty emotional if you're an adoptee um, my family watched it with me and they were like every episode we're all like on the verge of tears <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's really good so other dramas that I, I love would be I love the police procedure dramas so like Stranger uh, Signal Um, The Good Detective. I thought Sky Castle was really engrossing. I hated the ending. I felt like the ending ruined (laughs) the drama.
2: What I'm hearing you say is they really Nicholas Sparks did, huh?
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. More like romance book did. (laughs) It just didn't fit. I mean, I'm all for happy endings and stuff, but I felt like it didn't fit.
0: So Jen, as, as far as the, the book goes, and again, you said it's a uh, series, um, other things, uh, I, I think I wanted to ask one question that went back before the book was more about your adoption. Are there things that you're doing about adoption or the adoption community um, that you're getting into um, more so? Um, either because you you're writing these books or just because in your own personal life, you're um, you're you're discovering more things and researching more things.
3: I think I'm connecting with people more online than um, locally. There aren't as many adoptees locally. but I, I also am rediscovering like being Korean through my daughter. She's a, a older teen. So that, It's actually been something that we've bonded over. Uh, She's picked out a Korean name. Uh, She actually, like I said, speaks Korean better than I do. She wants to study in Korea at least a year in college. And so we're kind of rediscovering Korea together. And that's been really wonderful. That's
1: awesome. So Jen, I had one other question that I wanted to ask you, Uh, especially you've just kind of walked us through how you went from river falls to writing this book and being in Korea and embracing that and uh, getting ready to really put your story uh, on display in a major way. Um, Something you wrote on your guest forum, something that you really related to or, or, that stuck out to you in terms of like the things that we talk about for Korean adoptees on the show um, was the journey of self-love. So I wanted to ask you where you you, where you with this book coming out, where you feel you are at right now um, in your journey of self-love as an adoptee uh, as this gets ready to release?
3: Wow, what a question. I shouldn't have put that on my form. (laughs) I'll, I'll tell a very personal story here. Because we're all adoptees, and I think that people who would listen might be able to relate to this. On the flight back to America with my other fellow adoptees during my first Korea trip, we were all in our early 20s, and some of us were married and some were not. But one of the things that I had never wanted to do was have children, because growing up was really painful. And I didn't want my daughter to go through, or my child to go through that. And this was actually the very same thing these other female uh, adoptees had experienced as well. They didn't want to have kids. And just hearing that with them was uh, kind of a relief. Ironically, two of us got pregnant shortly after our (laughs) trip to Korea. (laughs) But it was really through my daughter, I feel like, that I've come to gain an appreciation for being Korean. I used to say to my daughter, Gosh, I'm really glad that you look, you don't look Korean. And she told me how much that was hurtful for her. And you had to realize that this kind of self loathing that you had adopted because you wanted to fit in with your peers had, done, um, worn down your self-esteem and your identity. And going back to Korea and learning about the history and learning about how many times that they have been invaded and rose up again made me really proud to be Korean. And having this like Korean Renaissance through BTS and Parasite and K-Beauty and the food and all of that has made it easier for me to embrace the my heritage and with having a companion my daughter do it with me uh, and then also finding other people who are really into Korean culture uh has been heartwarming I remember when I went to the movie um Crazy Rich Asians and you asked me if I cried When I watched The Notebook, I did not. And I didn't cry during Crazy Rich Asians, but I did (laughs) tear up at the end when everybody in the theater in Iowa was clapping because here were other white people celebrating. And I'm not Chinese, obviously, but I felt like I was being represented on screen and that there are people that don't look like me who said horrible things to me when I was younger we're celebrating people who look like me and that has been a real difference maker in my journey to self-love
2: yeah absolutely i think um you know talking about representation and and seeing that happen it makes a difference and i, I don't know i mean for me anyways I, obviously i can't speak for really one more than myself but like i didn't even know that i needed representation until it happened Uh, Like until I saw specifically an episode of Kim's Convenience where their cousin from Korea comes over and like uh, the daughter is feeling super insecure about how Korean she isn't because she grew up in Canada. And so then they go to a Korean restaurant and she's like, I'm going to try to order in Korean and they're like, I'll just talk to you in English. It's fine. You know, whatever. And like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I know that that is deeply me. I know what it feels like to feel so insecure in your identity. And then to, yeah, just uh, I mean, to feel that and, and pass that on. And um, yeah, and you know, hearing your story, I just, I'm reminded of the importance of knowing your history and um, how finding people who look like you and being brave enough to Uh, have a relationship with that person. You know, there's a lot of difficulty as an adoptee. There's, From what I've heard, there's a lot of difficulty just as an Asian-American to have a relationship with another Asian-American. And the more that I have... Um, been able to accept myself and 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 read stories, been able to give myself that representation makes me uh, take one more step into loving myself more, into being more gracious with myself, um, and into seeing that our story as Asian American adoptees isn't all that different from Asian Americans in general, um, and that there is a lot more that unites us than I originally thought. And I'm so glad. I know that you talked earlier about maybe this isn't the right time to release the book uh you know because that there is this what seems like this rising tide of anti-asian hate in america but for me as an asian american i need something to celebrate i need something to be happy about and to be proud about and then to to add the one two punch of you being an adoptee and me being an adoptee that is uh, that's like summiting Mount Everest for me. It's like a thing that I never <laughs> thought would be possible. Um, and so I am am so happy and so s- excited um, that I almost said sad. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm so happy and I'm so excited that this book is coming out. That it's coming out in in May in APAHM, which is uh, I think a somewhat of a new celebration for the four of us. Um, but hopefully, will be a thing that we continue to celebrate. That we continue to be loud and proud about. So, uh, thank you so much for, um, for doing the brave and hard work of learning to love yourself and, uh, of celebrating your identity in a book form so that the rest of us can celebrate with you.
1: Yeah.
3: I think that's wonderful. I hope that it does serve that purpose for a few people.
1: Yeah, I absolutely could not agree more. Um, especially as an adoptee, you know, I was thinking the same thing you said, not sure if even if now is the right time and, you know, just from my experience over the past year, we're three people, three adoptees, who have started to tell their story. So many of us are now doing that, and we are still clamoring and searching for those things that represent us uh, and those things that we can see ourselves in. So, I would say that there isn't, uh, there couldn't be a more perfect time for this book to come out right now and I am so excited to finish it and a little bit less excited that I'm going to have to wait for part two. Yeah. So yeah. I had to
4: throw that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: now that I know that. But book two is coming out in December, so... Oh, not Perfect.
0: that far. Oh, that's great. That's great news. Perfect. There's hope, everyone. Yeah. See? <laughs> Hold on. Hold on just a little bit longer. Even though we are not, uh, you know... Originally, romance novel readers. I think you're going to pull in a lot of Korean adoptees and and change their minds. I think a lot of people are going to start reading and relating, and probably uh, you might get more messages on on Facebook now too <laughs> from this. So you're you said you're already starting to connect with more Korean adoptees. I think this is another way that you may uh, may start that uh, process as
1: well.
3: Well, I welcome anybody to message me.
1: Perfect, and that is uh, a perfect lead into where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Where can they send you messages? And also, how do we buy this book?
3: So the book actually comes out on um, May twenty-fifth, which is Tuesday of next week. So you should be able to buy it at Barnes and Noble or your indie, or order it on Amazon. You can get me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm way more active on Twitter, although um, I, oh, I probably uh, reply to my messages once a day. <laughs> um, I, before we started, I had to download Zoom. so <laughs> 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 That's how often I'm on that. So, but um, yeah, so uh, Jen S. Fred on Twitter and uh, I think it's Jen Frederick on Instagram come find me i actually have a club host but i don't use it so i don't even know how i would get messages there
0: <laughs> well we found you on uh, facebook too can't yeah we've, we you have a little fan club on facebook so we followed that one as well
3: oh gosh <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're gonna help that we're gonna help that fan club yeah, we're grow. Gonna
0: boost the numbers. It's already hey, it's up to like twelve twelve thousand or something. So it's not a small one, I guess. I shouldn't say small.
3: I wrote a really successful series under a different name with a friend of mine. So I think that's where a lot of the readers came from.
1: Well, we you have three new readers here. And yeah. uh cannot wait. Uh Heart and Soul. Again, that is May twenty fifth, next Tuesday, which is tomorrow wait no yeah the next tuesday right for when we're when this is releasing correct okay (laughs) i forgot 10
3: days i guess uh today is the today's the 14th so i guess it's 11 days
1: oh yeah because this will come out next wednesday this will come out next wednesday so it would be next tuesday
2: <laughs> yeah. So it, it
1: was correct. The, the book first is coming time. out Tuesday.
0: Go get it. Go pre-order out. it. Go
1: get the out. book. Or wait
0: six more days.
1: The book is coming out Tuesday, May 25th. It is heart and soul. The author is Jen Frederick. Jen, thank you so much for being here with us. We cannot wait for everybody else to get their hands and their eyes and their minds around this book. Um, and we will be right back with a little bit more.
0: This month and every month, Penguin Random House invites readers to uplift AAPI stories and hashtag Read Asian Authors. From books like Kathy Park Hong's vital new essay collection Minor Feelings and Asian American Reckoning, to Kevin Kwan's irresistible beach read Sex and Vanity, to Ocean Wong's lyrical letter On Earth were Briefly Gorgeous, and Korean-American adoptee Jen Frederick's upcoming Heart and Soul, we're celebrating the stories that make us laugh, cry, and feel seen. Uplift your stories by AAPI authors that you love by sharing them on social media using hashtag ReadAsianAuthors. Throughout the month of May, Penguin Random House is donating 15% of their site profits to Asian Americans Advancing Justice, up to $30,000. Find your next read at PenguinRandomHouse.com or go to bit.ly
1: ReadAsianAuthors. We are back. Wonderful, incredible interview with Jen Frederick, and um, I'm really excited to dig into the book with you guys a, a little bit more from what we've read so far. We aren't doing a food. We're just going to talk today and go over the book. So, before all of this, before we had to restart this whole recording, uh, <laughs> we were talking to, Nathan and I had asked you, since you had read, uh, since you're not as far along as KJ and, our, KJ and I are yet. Um, not that it's a competition. Yeah. <laughs> wondering what your impressions are of the book so far, especially after our conversation with Jim.
0: Yeah, no, I said it in the interview a little bit, Um, but i really, out of all the books I've read, I instantly connected to this book and related to a lot of what was said, even in the short amount of chapters I, I had started reading already, and I don't think I've done that with any other book. I mean, a lot of books you read are, oh, this is informational, or... Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, oh, that sounds like it's a good character development or something like that. But the way that this book did it was, was for me as a, as a Korean adoptee, um, it just really resonated already that I was like, oh, this sounds very similar to my story or very similar to some of the stories that we've heard on our show already. And that right there, just that hooked me in almost instantly. Um, and it definitely is going to be, you know, I hate to (laughs) put myself on blast, but, there's multiple times where I have read some of a book and not finished it. <laughs> and so I feel like I don't want to do that with this one. I want to keep reading, and I want to keep going with it to, to read the whole thing, uh, even though I'm a slow reader, as we <laughs> have made comments about Nobody's timing you. <laughs> I, I may not finish it until, you know, much later than you guys, but... 2023! <laughs> but I do want to finish it because of those those reasons and because of, of just... Um, relating and seeing how it all turns out um yeah it's been really really um you know great to to have this out there
2: i think it's impressive that you stop reading books that you don't like and don't finish them i feel like it's way harder i i don't know i i feel like a lot of the book readers that i know are like oh my god i hate this book but i have to finish it you know <laughs> so i think it's more impressive that you're just like no i don't like it end reading you know um for me i we talked about this briefly in the interview and i I uh, didn't have a chance to like really jump in, but I think the way that Jen writes the character of Hara, which is the main character, is so hyper specific. It feels really grounded, and it feels like it is just one adoptee's story. You know, um, and I know that you know she was she had said she was concerned that she didn't want her story to be. Um, a universalization of the adoptee experience at all, you know, that um, Hara's journey was not meant to be representative of everyone's journey. But I think the the thing that's so lovely about this book, and the thing that I really gravitated towards, Nathan, like you, is because it's so hyper-specific, because it's so rooted in a reality that is parallel to Jen's own story, I'm assuming, um, just in in some of those adoptee experiences, uh, it feels really real, and it feels really honest, and it feels like Just grounded in a way that like, you know, it's fiction, but you know, uh, there's something more, you know, there's something that goes deeper than just a fun story, uh, a fun travel around soul, a fun setup to a book too. I'm so angry that we have to wait, but, um... (laughs) Uh, You know, I I just think it it does such a wonderful job there. And I loved, um, you know, being able to talk to Jen after having read a little bit, that all the things that I was feeling about the book, about the way um, I think that Jen approached talking about Korea and a Korean culture and things like that. um, It wasn't just myself reading that into the story, but that that's something that she had put into the story as well you know the love of korea and the um the love of the korean culture and i think all of her research and and personal experiences really shine through in a way that makes korea um like it's for me it feels very much like a a really fun slice of life that is still fantastical it is a uh, romantic romanticized um, in all meanings of the word, um, but just feels so rooted and feels so unique. It's It feels like I'm going to Korea, you know, in lieu of being able to travel and really spend some time there, just among some friends, among, you know, having adventures or whatever. And I think that's really, really cool.
1: Yeah, I was feeling pretty, very similar to UKJ in the fact that it didn't, to me, feel like a universalized take. It very much felt like an individual story that I'm reading that was like welcoming, and in the, in the way that it's written and the way that Jen approaches writing for this specific book, and Hara in particular, uh, just feels very welcoming. Um, particularly the way she writes her inner monologue and the way she moves through a scene between dialogues, I feel like it, it that really resonated with me because I feel like that's how I moved through life. And so when she's in Korea and going through and experiencing Korea as an adoptee for the first time, That's what like, I'm like, those are the questions I think I would be asking, or these are the feelings that I would be feeling either like the anxiety of not knowing what these signs are, or just trying to navigate that everyday conversation, you know, and that's something else that Jen had touched on too, was the language and how every time she goes back, she's like, somebody's like, oh, you don't speak Korean (laughs) and just trying to like figure that out. And, um, yeah, so I thought that was, that's what I really resonated with the most was just how very much myself of it was captured, but it didn't feel like she was telling my story. Mm -hmm. It does very much feel like I was reading and reaching out into a different space.
2: Yeah, and I wonder if... I mean, like, I so I just recently saw a thing where I think this person was or is a Korean adoptee, um, but the way that she was describing the adoptee experience of someone living in Korea did feel very like, well, this is what all Korean adoptees who end up living in Korea think. And I was like... Is it though, you know, like, so I, I say that like having experienced what it feels like to, uh, to have our stories, uh, universalized, to be part of a supposed monolith, you know, it's like, kind of like when somebody leads in with like, well, my BIPOC friend says this, therefore all BIPOC people must say, and you're like, well, that doesn't track at all, like 0%, you know? Um, so yeah, I just appreciated that, that hyper, hyper attention to detail that I think really makes it come alive.
0: Yeah, I'm curious on that storyline with when she goes to, to Korea and everything. You know, I haven't got to that part yet, but I'm curious when you Spoiler alert, it happens. Yeah. Well, it's in the It's in the blurb. <laughs> it's in the right? blurb. Blur. Blur. That so we've all read. We confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> but I know, also not a spoiler alert, but Patrick has not been to Korea yet, but we talk about Patrick going to Korea someday. What, what if that was a spoiler for Patrick? Like, I would <laughs> off, like, wait, what? <laughs> what, I haven't Only been? Only in my dreams. So when you do eventually go, Patrick, uh, I'm curious if there's going to be moments while, while you're going around doing something, you're like, oh, that's very similar to um, uh, Hara and what she experienced or something like in the book. I wonder if If you're there's like a moment
2: of like deja vu, but <laughs> yeah. like, wait a minute,
0: <laughs> Hara
1: experienced this.
0: I'm having
2: a heart and soul moment right now. <laughs>
1: well, that's Are the you thing. kidding me? <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I think one of those things, and I've because I've had this conversation or heard this from people who've been back to Korea, is how mountainous it is. And so something that I think of, or that I've been thinking about, that she's talking about super mundane, but she just describes the where she stays in Korea, this flat, <laughs> is up so many flights of stairs. And each time she goes back to the, to the apartment, she talks about the journey up the stairs. And I just end up, because of everything that I've heard about the climbing, <laughs> especially for women having to wear heels, but like, I think that's something like those really, those really simplistic things, those simple mm-hmm. things you wouldn't think about. Uh, was is one of the reasons I really love the book and the, the description of Korea because it is, like I said, very accessible and then it's like, it breaks down those little moments of like, oh, I gotta walk up all these stairs <laughs> yeah. and then yeah, realizing when I get to Korea and coming from flat Indiana being like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> and I'm already a sweater, as we've established and that will not be good.
0: <laughs> okay, we also have established that you also work out in the morning so you should be good. No. No, we, a, have, we haven't
2: thing. established either of those things on <laughs> this particular recording of the
0: episode. Oh well, hey everyone! No. Spoiler alert: <laughs> no. Patrick works out more than KJ and I. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> now it's there. I think
1: KJ actually <laughs> works out more than me because of no. Sarah.
0: He's, nope. He's tr- he's making sure if he's I, gonna fit into his tux If I could work married. out
2: by watching Sarah work out, then I would work out more than anyone else right? on the planet. It
0: doesn't work
4: like
2: but that. It's it doesn't work like that. No, sorry. Yeah. Oh, diffusion. yeah. That's, Osmosis fusion. is only water, obviously.
0: <laughs> well, aren't you 90% water? I don't know.
2: <laughs> no, we're like 70-something percent. I don't know. Anyways. Funny. So that's kind of our first impression of the book, Heart and Soul by Jen Frederick. It is available Tuesday. Um, so go pre-order it. I know pre-orders help book sales a lot. So uh, mm-hmm. go pre-order it and then- pick it up. Um, it's available on IndieBound and a couple of other places as well. If you want to pre-order it online, um, it's also available on like the major retailers. If you want to use a major retailer or if you want to support a local bookshop, do that. You know, we would recommend one thing over the other, but live your life. <laughs> and <laughs>
0: yeah, let us know what you her... think about
2: it. Oh yeah. Yes,
0: yeah. We'd love cool. to hear what everyone thinks about it and, you know, put it on uh, our page on our comments or, um, you know, we really enjoy Hearing from other people, uh, actually, kind of experiencing some of the things that we're experiencing. So not just yeah, listening.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll start like a mega thread in our Facebook group so we can talk about heart and soul. Mm, yeah. uh, we we have a mini s- thread going on in our Facebook group about Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not part
0: of that one. And <laughs> about not, in general, be, but too, it's right? really
2: it's really uh, <laughs> gratuitous for
1: me. I'm like, oh, yes, this is fun.
0: Uh, I'm not heading up the book club, I know that. So <laughs> well,
1: I was gonna say that'll be the start of the this uh this thread on heart and soul could be the start of our John G book club. <laughs> if if and anyone wants to join besides us three. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So um for anyone who hasn't uh were you gonna say one more thing, Patrick? Sorry, before we, we plug uh, our, our names and our, our, our emails no.
1: I think I was going to say, oh, I think I was going to say that Jen's website is also linked down here in the show notes. So if you aren't 100% sure where to go get the book, click that link and you will be able to go find that out. So yep, that was my addition. That was it. Okay. A- <laughs> All right. right. You're done talking and we're going to close the show now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry we didn't have a food, but I think uh, we really just wanted to talk about this book. And, uh, you know, we'll get back to our food and drink items later for, for future episodes um because the the other boys just got a nice little delivery package of some hot items that we are going to try so it'll be bad they
1: are very hot they're, they're hot hot not hot at all.
0: <laughs> they're so <laughs> <hot>. they're so <laughs> hot they're melting i don't know
1: <laughs> anyway no sense speaking of that we are so hot because you can find <laughs> us we are so hot on the internet you can find us at all of the hot places that is called that is social media at yeah, John we're talking Cishow.
2: AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> we're talking Zanga.
1: We're talking MS- Yahoo. I think think we news. might have a MySpace t- page somewhere. You can download our episodes off LimeWire. Friendster. Wait, and Napster. <laughs> On
2: Napster. Yeah. Napster. Bring Napster
1: back. Yeah. Anyways, you can do you can find us at all those places at John Chi Show. You can send an email to us uh at John Chi Show at JustLikeMedia.com. You can go to showcom and find a whole bunch of things to do. If you type in that w- URL and put slash support, you can find out all the ways that you can support the show. Um, there are a lot of different things. And um, is there anything else? No, I think that's all the places that you can get a hold of us. Uh, yeah, you can support the show by leaving us a
2: rating or review, by telling a friend, by posting about it on social media. Um, really, honestly, especially in like entertainment and for books and things, the more that you talk about a thing, people are like, oh, hey, this is a, a good thing. So we may not have quite the power yet to get things trending, but honestly, even in your small world, just talking about a thing a lot goes a long way to supporting an artist or a producer, a content producer, or whatever. So uh, talk us up, talk up Jen Frederick, talk up everybody that you want to support
1: um, out loud. That's important. Yeah. That is important. And
0: this is the end of uh, APIHM month as well. So we're almost done.
1: No, we have another week.
0: We have one more after week.
1: This episode comes out, yeah. Oh, okay. Take that out then. We have <laughs> one more week at plus one. Add the plus one in there. Oh, anyways, you can find me at Patrick in the World on Instagram and at P Armstrong anywhere else. You
0: can find me in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Bottle full of bub.
0: <laughs> uh, you can also you know find me on Instagram and Noak or my photography one at Noak Photo. You know, I was just thinking about how sad it is
2: that we only ever interact with you when you're in your basement. It's uh, <laughs> like, oh man, what a sad life Nathan lives. Anyways, okay. uh, yeah. yeah, send it Nathan is. a message if you want to help him escape the basement. out of his basement. basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll start a, a fundraiser on Buy Me a Coffee that is just called Get Nathan Out of the Basement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just wait, I'm going to create a special podcast room one of these days. It's going to have like a nice. secret door. It's gonna open I mean, if it's
2: still in the basement, the secret it's still door, in the basement. It's,
0: it's a hidden podcast. It's room. a hidden podcast room. It's gonna be a floating double door. No, I don't know.
2: Yikes. All right. Anyways, you means. can find me at KJ <laughs> Ralki wherever I want to be found on the internet. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week right here on your favorite podcast feed. Until then, John Chi Heyo. Bye.